0: Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. Stay in the loop with what we're up to. Follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message.
1: Hello, everyone. So I realized I just showed a clip from the notebook, um, but just making sure I tell you this now, this is not a dating sermon. This is not a sermon on dating. Uh, Some of you are disappointed. Some of you are really relieved. uh, But just make sure we're all on the same page. Um, That being said, I think that clip... Uh, still has a really interesting point. Um, It's an iconic scene in the rom-com genre and just filmography in general. I mean, that thing was made 17 years ago and it's still circulating Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, But I think partially because of the acting, but also a lot because of, it's asking a really insightful question. We see Ryan Gosling's character ask over and over again, what do you want, what do you want, what do you want? And we see Rachel McAdams' character wrestle with that question, saying it's not simple, and really thinking deep down what she really wants. Uh, Like I said, it's been 17 years since the movie came out, so I don't feel bad saying spoiler alert, Um, but if you haven't seen it, uh, her and Ryan Gosling's character end up together. Shocker, I know. Um, But it's interesting, because throughout the whole movie and throughout this, she's kind of realizing this is what she actually wants. This is what she deeply, deeply wants. I think we also deeply want something. We also deeply want something. And tonight, I kind of want to ask the question, what do you you really want? Do you want Jesus or do you want something else? Do you want Jesus or do you want something else? There's a verse in Luke 11. I think it gives a pretty good indication, a pretty good idea of if we want Jesus. And so just setting up this scene, uh, Jesus had just driven out a demon from a man who was mute. And there's a woman in the crowd that said, blessed is the woman who gave birth to you and nursed you. And Jesus responds in uh, not a very typical way in the next verse, Luke eleven twenty-eight, 28. He said, blessed, blessed are those rather who hear the word of God and obey it. In our sermon series in the Beatitudes, we learned that the word blessed means happy. So this verse is telling us that if we listen to the Bible, listen to Scripture and obey it, then it says we'll be happy. Well, that seems pretty straightforward, and so all we have to do is listen to the Bible and hear Scripture and obey it. So am I saying that it's that simple? I'm saying that it's that easy to obey the Bible, and then we'll just want Jesus, or we will have a desire for wanting Jesus. Well, Jesus always asks a question, answer a question with a question, and so I kind of want to do the same. Do we always want to obey the Bible? I think if we're honest, a lot of the time the answer is no, or some of the time the answer is no. Maybe a better question is, when when we do disobey, why are we disobeying? When we don't listen, when we don't follow what the Bible says for our lives, why don't we? I think it's a really complex answer to a really, what feels like a simple question, but there's a lot that goes into that. Because most of us here tonight, most of us are here tonight giving up your time, giving up an hour, hour and a half, listening to beautiful music that the choir just did and all that they did and listening to some random guy talk about Jesus for a little bit. And you're giving up a lot of your time for Jesus. Some of you are going to church on Sundays. Some of you involved in our small groups. Some of you are leading for us. So I don't think it's that simple. I think it's that a lot of us want Jesus. A lot of us really want Jesus, but we also want something else. We also want that one thing that we want to hold on to. And we want Jesus, but culture's made a lot of these things that we want outside of Jesus really attractive. So when we when we read Luke eleven twenty eight. We often don't think actively about disobeying God, but we kind of are when we're choosing that thing over God. Culture makes things like getting drunk more attractive than following God's design at stopping when you start to lose control or not underage drinking. Culture makes hooking up sex a lot more attractive than wanting to wait until marriage. Culture makes building up myself, caring about my status, myself prospering, a lot more than caring about others. In the Bible, there's a really great story about uh, a guy named King Solomon, and so if you don't know anything about King Solomon, he is the third king of Israel. So it was King Saul, and then King David is his father, the same David that the Sunday school story killed Goliath with a stone. We all know that one. But let's go ahead and open up and start in First Kings three, starting in verse three. It said Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a, a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept him. For him, this great and steadfast love, and given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go or out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to, to be numbered or counted or for multitude. Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this, and not have asked for, your, not asked for yourself long life or riches, or the life of your enemies, but have also asked to discern what is right. I just realized I didn't put this in my notes, um, so it's unfortunate. Um, now, according to your word, behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so, that none of you have been before, and none of you like shall rise after. So that's good. Um, great start. Thank you for being here tonight, Um, the last Veritas, cool. Uh, So in reading this passage, uh, we see in 1 Kings, we see that Solomon starts out really strong. I mean, the first verse we read, verse 3, says that Solomon loves God. You see humility, we see Solomon, all he wants to do is please God and govern his people faithfully. You can tell from reading this passage that Solomon had a great reverence and great understanding of who God was. At this point in time, you kind of can get all on board that Solomon wants and desires God above anything at this point. So kind of the obvious next question is, is what happens in the rest of Solomon's reign as king? Where did he, or how did he stop wanting God? Did it happen overnight? Did he wake up one morning and decide if following God was worth it? Or did he decide that he knew, or thought he knew, what he really wanted? Let's pick up in 1 Kings 11, give us a better idea what happened with King Solomon. Starting in verse 1, it says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter was his first wife and was supposed to be his only wife. And Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidians, and Hittites. They were from foreign nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, You must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wife turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David, his father, had been. And skipping down to a verse to verse six, it says, "So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord; he did not follow the Lord completely as his father David had done." So we learn that Solomon starts to drift away. We learn that he starts to kind of start to prioritize things over God and not listen to God. And so, what in kind of particular happened to Solomon to make him fall away from God? Well, we saw it in verse 2. We saw that Solomon disobeyed God. God asked Israelites not to intermarry for within certain countries because their religions would turn them away from God. Solomon knew that, but when he, what he chose to do is what he really thought he wanted. He thought he really wanted was all the wives he accumulated, plus all the wealth, the power, the status, and all the things he wanted over God. Now, not too long ago, just a few chapters before, we saw that Solomon was choosing God over these things call himself a servant of God. He loved God. But we kind of see he wanted God plus all these things that he wanted. He wanted to hold on to his wives and all the things we just mentioned. And if we're really honest, maybe not to Solomon's extent, hopefully not to Solomon's extent, um, we kind of relate to that. We want to follow Jesus, but we, we want all these other things too. We want this other thing on the side. And eventually we see here Solomon choose those things over God. Even though a few chapters before, like I said, we never would have thought we never would have saw him fall off like this. And to me, kind of the obvious next question that I have is, well, did all these things that we just mentioned did that make him happy? That those things, the wives, did the power, the wealth, the status that all those things make him happy? Because if all those things satisfied him and all those things made him happy, then we can kind of pack it up and go home. In the sense of going back to Luke 11:28, we see that we're told that we're happy when we obey Jesus. But Solomon here is telling us that we're happy when we follow what we want. We're happiest when we follow what we want and not God. So which is it? Is it Solomon right, or is Luke eleven twenty eight 28 right? Well, if you didn't know, Solomon wrote the majority of two books of the Bible. He wrote the majority of Proverbs and also a lot of the book of Ecclesiastes. I think we find an answer to all these questions in Ecclesiastes 2, And this starts with I, I being Solomon, said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. That also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself in the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers in the harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart, no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for my, all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. And I think if we were to listen, this is one of the most insightful passages of the Bible. we're listening to a man who had it all. We're listening to a king who denied himself no pleasure, no good thing, nothing. And what's his response? Well, it's meaningless. I mean, looking at our culture, looking from a cultural perspective on Solomon's life, it seems like he has it all figured out. He has wealth. He has comfort. He has entertainment, everything you could ever want. So asking the question, is it possible what we want, what we think we really want, isn't what we really want? I practiced that like four times, maybe i sure I said it right, so that's good. Um, I think if somehow we tell ourselves this Solomon story doesn't apply to me, doesn't apply to you, doesn't apply to us, I think we're kind of kidding ourselves. See, we see Solomon started out desiring God, wanting God, loving God. But that plus thing, that thing that he wanted on the side, we talked about earlier, started weighing on him. And then slowly, slowly over time, became more attractive to him than God. So what can we learn from this story? We learn that over time, if we don't take that thing, we don't keep that thing in check, it can overtake our desire for God. We have to give our whole self totally to God, not just halfway. And we see at the end of 1 Kings chapter 11, and verse 6, it says this, going back to 1 Kings 11, it says, Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David, his father, had done. I think if we're not careful, we miss the word completely. The word completely is very important because I know, I know, I know that so many of you tonight want to follow Jesus, want to holistically follow Jesus, but we also want to follow that one thing that we know isn't good for us that we're holding on to still. Because it feels like it's what we really want. We want to have it both ways. And just like Solomon, we will fall into the trap slowly, maybe not yet, but over time wanting that thing more than Jesus. And I think what's great about the story of Solomon is that it's a great warning sign for us because we're reading this now in the 21st century and have a chance to learn from a character that has the same struggles, the same problems 3,000 years ago as we do today. So we can take away things from the story of Solomon and apply it to our lives. We can see how over time Solomon fell and not make the same mistake. And so what does this mean for you? Well, coming full circle back to our original question, you have to ask, what do I really want? We will always always prioritize our lives about what deep down we really desire, about deep down what we really want. That will absolutely dictate and shape our lives. Because as we talked, it was clear with Solomon that he wanted to follow God at the beginning, but just like many of you here tonight want to follow God. We also see when push came to shove, he didn't want God. He didn't believe God was more than that thing he also wanted. And that's what it really came down to for Solomon. I think that's what it really comes down to for us. So I hope you guys hear me continually saying, I know you want Jesus, I know you want Jesus, but at the same time, you want to hold on that thing just as much because wanting Jesus is going a lot against what we're being told, a lot about what we're being taught and a lot of what our heart is telling us. And so you have to answer the question, do you really believe Jesus is more than that thing or the things that you also want to hold on to? And like I said at the beginning, it's a really complex, really difficult question to wrestle through. I think it's also the most vital so what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose those things? Or are you going to choose the Son of God who came down to earth in human form, was hung on a cross for our sins, and resurrected three days later, and ascended to heaven and is now king over our entire lives? Are you going to choose the God who created the entire universe or choose the, cre- the creation? Are you going to choose those things that give you temporary satisfaction, temporary comfort, and temporary control? Or are you going to choose Jesus that gives you lasting satisfaction, lasting comfort, and lasting control? Are you, gonna, are you going to the, go to those things that give you temporary peace, or are you going to go to Jesus, the Prince of Peace? I want us to take a look at an interaction that Jesus has a man with a man in the book of Matthew. Jesus was teaching a variety of topics in Judea, and a man came up to him and just asked his question. And starting in verse 16, it said, A man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? Jesus answered, why do you ask me what is good? Only God is good. But if you want to have eternal life, obey the law's commands, the man asked, which ones? Jesus answered, you must not murder anyone. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not tell lies about others. You must respect your mother and father and, you, and love your neighbor the same as you love yourself. Young man said, I've obeyed all these commands. What else do I need? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect... Then go sell all that you own, give money to the poor, and you will have riches in heaven. Then come and follow me. But the young man heard Jesus tell him to give away his money. He was sad. He didn't want to do this because he was very rich. So he left. I think this story is incredibly fascinating, and I think it really sums up how a lot of us feel tonight. You know, I was meeting with a guy pretty recently, and we are talking about how his semester was going and how he was feeling about college kind of overall. He started talking about how he started going out and a lot more and drinking underage and how he doesn't really think it's wrong, he doesn't really see how it's wrong at all. And it kind of took me back because he's been in the church for a while, and so I kind of asked him, like, well, do you know what the Bible says about this? I know you, I'm pretty sure you do. And he's like, yeah, I do, but in all honesty, I just don't really think it's wrong. I don't see why I have to follow that. And then it kind of hit me as I was talking with him that, He knows what Jesus wants him to do. Just like Solomon, he knows what Jesus wants him to do, but he'd rather do what he wants. And so I kind of point-blank asked him, after talking to him for a little while and saying, do you want to follow the way that Jesus wants you to live, or do you just want to do what you want? He kind of took a long pause and said, I don't know. And it was clear, just like the man in the story, he wasn't ready to give Jesus that one thing. We see the man in the story saying, yes, I can do those commands, those commands. I can love my neighbor. I cannot commit adultery. I cannot murder. But when Jesus asked for that one thing, the one thing he really knew that guy wanted to hold on to, the guy said no and walked away. He wanted to hold on because he wants what he really thought he wanted. And the guy in that story I was telling you about, he follows Jesus in a lot of ways. He loves Jesus in a lot of ways. But just like in the man in 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 Matthew's story, he, he has that one thing that's holding him back from following Jesus and wanting Jesus completely. But he's not alone in this. We all have that one thing or things that holds us back. What is it for you? What is the one thing that has you saying, yes, Jesus, I'm in, but I don't want to give up this thing. I don't want to give up that thing. I want to hold on to this. And go with me here for a second and just imagine that Jesus is in front of you. And he looks at you and asks for that for you to give that one thing, just like the man in the story, to give that one thing that's really holding you back. What would your response be? Would you, would you be like the man in the story and walk away? Would you be like the guy that I just mentioned that is kind of in a maybe area? Or would you be willing to give that thing up to follow Jesus completely? Do you want Jesus more than getting drunk? Do you want Jesus more than social status? Do you want Jesus more than going too far with your significant other? Do you want Jesus more than hooking up? Do you want Jesus more than living in the approval of your peers? Do you want Jesus more than living selfishly? Do you want Jesus more than pornography? Do you want Jesus more than this, this, that? Do you want Jesus more than everything? If your answer is no, then why not? Maybe you're like the guy in my story and. Who doesn't think that Jesus is more than all these things? Or maybe you're just in a place that where you think all these things that I mentioned are still better than Jesus. The Solomon story doesn't really feel real or connect to you. I would love if you gave me a chance to share a little bit of my story. so I can say Jesus is more than all these things, because I not because I have to, and I'm up here, and I, I work for a church. Uh, but I've been right where you're at. Early in college, I tried just about all the things I mentioned. I tried to find my satisfaction in alcohol. I tried to find my satisfaction in relationships. I tried to find my satisfaction in people's approval of me. For a minute there, I thought I was actually happy. I thought I was actually happy, but over time, I realized it was making me miserable. I came to the same conclusion as Solomon, that it doesn't satisfy. Uh, But throughout time, I was involved in Veritas, and slowly, slowly throughout that time, I realized that Jesus was more than all those things. And if you're still doubting, I I understand where you're at, but I'd love for you just to give Jesus a chance. What What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose by reading the Bible and trying to obey it? What do you have to lose by giving up a little bit of your freedom, by giving up that one thing? Talk to the friend who brought you here tonight. Talk to someone on staff. We'd love to talk to you about that. As the music team comes back up, I want to start thinking about what it would look like to start wanting Jesus more this summer. Focus and hone in on what can I do to want Jesus more this summer. First, we need an honest conversation with ourselves about what is that thing or those things that are holding us back from wanting and following Jesus completely. Maybe it's one of the things that I mentioned above, or maybe it's something else. But after identifying that, we actually have a genuine idea of where we can grow and focus on this summer. We actually have an idea of a direction of how we can want Jesus more. And Summer is kind of a weird time because you're out of your usual routine, some of you are going to a new town or new city for an internship. You kind of have to decide what you're going to do when you're away from your Veritas friends or Christian influences. What are you going to do? Are you going to want Jesus or are you going to want something else? It's going to be tempting to fight that thing that's hindering from you following Jesus. It's going to be really easy to just give up and then just give in. It's going to be tempting to go with all your coworkers so you fit in with them. It's going to be tempting to go out and be the only one who's not drinking too much. In the same way, if you're graduating, moving to a new city... The first time you're in a new city without your Christian friends and influences, in the same way, you have to make tough decisions. Maybe you have to decide if, for you and your girlfriend or boyfriend to move in together, actually isn't the right move because your friends and your very tossed people, and the Bible tells us that's not okay. But you have to choose wanting Jesus over more than that. Some of you are going back home to an environment that isn't really set up well for your faith. Some of you have to say no to that person you used to hook up with in high school. So we need to say no to going out with high school friends and going to the house party because you know it's not what you actually want. And some of you are in Colombia and instead of distancing yourself from your faith, from the crossing from Veritas, you need to lean into community here even if it's not it doesn't look exactly like the fall and spring. Because all these things that we can be doing helps us continually build a desire to follow Jesus and want him more. Want him more than that thing that's holding us back curating habits like these help us want Jesus more. Let's be a people that move toward holistically, completely, and wholeheartedly following Jesus. Let's listen to His word and obey it. Because that, as we learn tonight, is what makes us genuinely happy. Following Jesus actually makes us happy. And it's what we really want. Do you really want Jesus? Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at VeritasMizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.